The Outlet. The Talk of Queenstown. Welcome to The Outlet. I'm your host, Brent Harbour. In this podcast, I talk to Hannah and Lindsay, who have been organising protests to highlight Queenstown's rental crisis. Now, they share some stories of people and families and the impact it's having on them and the outcome of their meetings with MPs and councillors. But first, Ben from Wastebusters talks Dr. Compost, a fantastic program and initiative that will help keep organic waste from landfill and produce great results in your garden. Can you tell me a bit about Dr. Compost, the program at Wastebusters, and, and how it all works? Well, the Dr. Compost program has been going quite a while now. Uh, it's, it's run by the team at Wanaka Wastebusters. It's funded by Queenstown Lakes District Council to kind of provide composting and gardening education for the community. And this can come in many forms. It can come in workshops, events, talks, articles in local media mentoring, personal advice, and and social media. We have a bit of a social media thing going too. And all of that's kind of aimed at householders and at local businesses. So why is it important to reduce organic waste going into landfills with composting? Well, okay, I've got kind of three rough reasons. One, you know, organic waste, when you put it in landfill, it's, it turns into methane. It's 25 times more potent than carbon dioxide. And we all know that global warming story. Number two... What a resource <laughs> that we are throwing down the toilet or we are just chugging to landfill and locking up. All those food waste scraps have a huge input on, of fertilizer and energy just to grow them in the first place. And then, you know, there's this percentage that we could capture, but yet we decide to throw them away, throw them away forever. So why not close these loops and turn them into uh, process these food scraps into valuable nutrients, making compost is one of those great ways of doing that. And then the third one is, well, you know, we buy compost, we buy fertilizers to grow our food at home. Why not, you know, cut our own costs and use our food, our own food scraps to create, you know, you know, great compost to grow, great soil to grow, great food for our homes. Yeah, I know when I was growing up, there was always a compost bin, but there are some common misconceptions about composting. So how do you address those? You know, there's a few out there and often it's just people who are making mistakes, simple mistakes. One of the most common mistakes is they put just three things into their compost heap or two things. And mainly it's just, you know, they're putting in food scraps and grass clippings. And possibly, you know, they might grab a bag of manure off the side of the road because someone said, you know, there's somewhere they caught that that was meant to be really good. And they are all really good, except they're all very nitrogen rich, all, you know, ingredients. And so they're all very smelly, I guess, is what they can be when they all come together without some other ingredients. And, and those other ingredients are carbon rich ingredients. And, and often people are just missing out putting those carbon rich ingredients into their compost. And that can be as simple as having a sack of leaves by the compost heap, sack of wood chips, a bale of straw, some shredded cardboard. These are all, very, all strong carbon rich ingredients. And if we aim to put about 50% carbon into our compost heap with those other nitrogen rich ingredients, we can suddenly, you know, erase a lot of the mistakes. We you know, like that, you know, that idea of a smelly compost that kind of just disappears instantly. You know, that kind of gluggy, stinky. You know, that just disappears instantly, and suddenly we're just going to get this 
well, one, we're capturing all these other ingredients that we can put in our compost heap and we get to make great compost, hopefully, at the end of it. So what are some of the biggest challenges you think people face when they're trying to compost at home and what's the best way to overcome them? Well, I guess one of the challenges is that one we just mentioned, but, you know, there's many ways to get to our composting nirvana that we may all may or may not desire to reach. And look, I'm always still striving myself. I'm still making mistakes, but it's about learning from those mistakes. It's about kind of, I'm a really big fan of the KISS principle, keeping it simple, because you know you need to buy into a system as a, as a home goer or a business that you know, you're going to do day in, day out, or week in, week out, without resentment, <laughs> without, oh, God, I've got to go and dig that hole. You know, you've got to find something that resonates for you and something that makes you want to go and do it, you know. One of those ways is to start a vegetable garden or, or a few veggie beds, you know, because, you know, by turning your food scraps into compost, suddenly you've, you can then turn that compost into amazing vegetables, and it's a great, you know, it's a great loop. And you know, then you know, when you have problems along the path, you know, the Doctor Compost program is there to offer advice uh, and help when needed. You know, either through social media, you know, like the Facebook page and and Messenger, or direct via email as well. And, and we we have funding there to offer as much help and advice as possible. I've seen this mentioned a lot lately: Bokashi bins. Can you tell me all about them and and using them for composting? Uh, well, okay, so the Bokashi system is a uh, a Japanese system, and it's pretty pretty much all over the world these days. I'm a huge fan of it. It's a very home friendly system. You know, um, you, you know, you still got to dig a hole at the end and and bury it, but you but you're burying this incredible dose of energy into your soilless, if you like. And, and one of the great things about the Bokashi, it basically is a two-bucket system. You need two units. In it, you can put all your bones, your fish, your meat, your vegetables, scraps, you know, everything goes in there, pretty much everything. It's just a couple of things that can't go in there, but your lem- even your lemon and orange, you know, peel, those kind of things that are often onion peel, all these things that sometimes people would struggle to compost or if they're big juices or big meat eaters, you know, they can all go in this system and it doesn't require, you know, it doesn't require much, much, it doesn't require much work at all. It's really simple. And so, you know, it's, it's just a really great way of getting into composting. You, you still need somewhere to then bury the contents and they can be buried into a, a Dalek, a compost bay or directly into your veggie garden which is the best place or next to a fruit tree or in a flower garden and wherever you bury that those that that contents you suddenly get this giant nutrient bomb of energy that just you know you won't believe the size of the vegetables that you grow using the system it's that good it really is and then you also get a liquid fertilizer as well that you can use as well so it's a it's a win-win and and locally it's funded by qldc you get the two units for pretty much half price comes in around 60 bucks you couldn't build the system yourself by buying all the individual parts. But I do encourage people to make, you know, have a look at the system. And if you've got access to bins, you know, hey, go ahead. I know lots of people have made it themselves with, you know, recycled mortar buckets and things like that. And, you know, and, and to great success. So you don't have to necessarily spend the money, but you do need the Bakashi, the magic dust, I like to call it. And you, and you, so you do need the, you do, you do need the Bakashi powder. And that's, pretty inexpensive you get a bag of that for about nine bucks and that'll last you you know three to four months ago so you know it's a a fantastic system so what are some tips you have for people who want to start composting but kind of just don't know where to begin well one is that you may need 
more than one system depending on your your circumstances. If you're in a, an apartment, you, then you're going to need one, you know, one system. Something like the Bakashi is going to work quite well, and then you're going to need to you know consider buddying up with somebody to you know who has got the garden to then be able to bury your contents. But then as you start getting into you know. 400 square meter to a quarter acre section you've got other things that are coming out of your garden as well so that's where something like a big a large dalek one of those black compost bins or a compost bay that's made out of wooden pallets uh, i'm a big fan of using wooden pallets that cost you nothing can really be fantastic and then you could use that in combination with something like the bakashi system or if you're a fan of worm farm worm farms are harder to do down here but you know if, if that's what, you know, does it for you, give it a go. And then even better, if you're, you know, in this chick egg shortage, how about some chickens? <laughs> They're like the world's best composters. <laughs> you know, you don't have to do anything. You can actually, there's a very clever little system where you create a little, um, you know, like a 40 centimeter deep pit full of wood chips or leaves, maybe, you know, a meter and a half by a meter and a half. And you just throw your food scraps in there every time, and the chickens go and eat them. They poop on the leaves and the chick and the and the and the wood chips, and they turn it over. And then once a year, you dig it up and use that in your garden. And they, you know, you chuck everything at them. They like, what they don't eat gets turned into into those wood chips and those leaves. So a fantastic little system. So it's just about giving a go, you know, trying trying something, and then you know seeing how it goes, and and hopefully learning from your mistakes. Plus, we've got some great PDFs on the Wanaka Waste Busters site on each system as well that you can, with some great tips on there too. Now, I mean, one of the things we talk about with composting, of course, the compost is great for your plant growth. So what are some examples of plants that really do well with compost you've done at home? You know, look, let's let's not kid ourselves. We live in this really dry environment. We've all got really shit soil generally. You know, there's generalizations. There's, there's little pockets of paradise, but not many of them. And, you, and I've, you don't meet many people putting their hands up. You know, any compost applied to the garden is going to improve your moisture levels and hold. Well, not improve your moisture levels, improve your moisture holding capacity of your soil from the get go, and then you're inoculating your soil with that bacteria, fungi, and healthy plants. So, so you know, really, nearly every plant will benefit from an application of compost. You know, when you're sowing seeds, seedlings, uh, repotting a house plant. Anything like that will go, you know, I've grown the biggest onions I've ever grown just by, you know, just from, you know, I couldn't believe that they were too big, as an example. You know, like, you know, you know, there's a size you want in the kitchen. And then these were like three times the size of that. You know, it was like, you're not trying to waste food you grow. So, you know, there's that would be my super plant that I grew. But but using it everywhere and anywhere, about the only thing you wouldn't be using compost would be with, say, your orchids in your, you know, in your kitchen because that, you know, they're almost growing on air. Yeah, so applying it everywhere a little often is better than, you know, buckets of it, if that makes sense, yeah. And you've talked about lots of information. So if people want to find out more about the Dr. Compost program, where's the best place to go, Ben? Um, so um, they have a look at us on the Wanaka Wastebusters site. Also, they can find they can check us out on Facebook and on Instagram, Dr. Compost, on, on those two social media sites. And then if they've got problem, you know, any questions they want to ask, they can – email me directly at drcompost at wastebusters.co.nz and, then, and I'll, I definitely will reply to all questions 
uh, inquiries and so on. Oh, that's great. Hey, well, thanks for all the work you're doing. It's great to educate people and, and all the very best. Many thanks, Brent, for inviting me on the podcast. Thank you. You're listening to The Outlet. I really like the interviews. I like that it's easy to listen to while I'm at the gym. I like that it's local and all about this community. The Outlet, the talk of Queenstown. Hannah and Lindsay have been organising protests to highlight Queenstown's rental crisis. They share some stories of people and families and the impact of finding a home has on them and the outcome of their meetings with MPs and councillors. Hannah and Lindsay, welcome to The Outlet. Thank you so much for having us. Hi. You're very welcome. So can you please give me a bit of a background on the protests, including today's protest, and what the driving force is behind them? So we started the first protest really on the basis that after a holiday back in Scotland, I lost my rental property and um, then was struggling to find somewhere to live. After looking for a long time, I went into Citizens Advice to have a conversation and found out that I was the sixth person that day and it was only 1.30pm in the afternoon. The guy in front of me had a six-year-old child with him and whilst I was in the Citizens Advice, there was multiple phone calls about this person from places that should be able to help but couldn't Um, and unfortunately that just sparked something inside of me and I was like oh my goodness this is so much bigger than I realised, what can we do to help? So yeah me and Lindsay then got together, we were already speaking about it because we knew what was happening and then that kind of then sparked the initial what to do situation and then through that we um, organised the protest and were just completely overwhelmed by the support of the community and now media such as yourself. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's been awesome, eh? Yeah, it's been great. So, Lindsay, what is the rental situation like in Queenstown? It's a nightmare. You look at some posts that they have on our mm-hmm. rental pages and there'll be 50 people messaging or commenting rather, and then the people that have posted it are messaging saying there's about 350 people messaging them directly. So they've had to cap even answering any calls or any texts or anything because they've been so inundated with people fighting for one bedroom in one house. You must have heard some stories about how it's affecting people in the area. Uh, Everybody. It's Some people are now being put in the position where their bosses are leasing houses for them because there isn't any rooms for their staff to stay in. So on top of having a massive day at work, then they have to go home and they can't even vent about it because it's their (laughs) landlord. (laughs) If they're having a bad day at work, it's their landlord is their boss, right? So people are kind of stuck in this limbo situation where, yeah, they have a bed, but at what cost? Like you got to bite your tongue if you're having a bad day at work because... Mm-hmm. Your job is your house, essentially. Yeah. And I think as well, like, you know, we made quite an, an effort to go out to the campsites and sort of, like, look for people who needed help. And um, in doing that, we were just completely shocked at how many people there was. And what was beautiful was that everybody knew each other. Mm-hmm. So when we went to 12 Mile, the campsite, someone was like, hey, you need to speak to this person. And we found that person and then they put us in touch with more people. Unfortunately, we found a family of six, um, a mother, a father and their three children, plus the dog. And they were living there since January after being promised accommodation with their their good job. But yeah, it fell through after they found out they had a pet. So yeah, they lived there from January. And I think we heard last Mm. week that they were just being housed now. 
That's a long time. So what do you think of the government's plans to bring more workers into Queenstown? The workers are already here, (laughs) but we just don't have anywhere to stay. We're here and the ones that they're trying to bring in, they're not letting them know what the situation is. Mm -hmm. So all these migrant workers are accepting these sponsorship visas. They're accepting these job offers for the ski season or for future. And then they get here, they pack up their lives, they arrive to what's supposed to be paradise and they have nowhere to stay. Yeah, I know from moving my family around the world that once you get to a new place, start a new job, finding somewhere to live is a real stress, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, Queenstown is such a welcoming community. It's a reason why a lot of people stay here, I think, and a lot of people then return. And we have, like, a lot of people who return ski season after ski Mm -hmm. season, you know, the people who like to chase the snow. And as much as we, like, want to welcome them back here, we really are facing an issue where we don't have anywhere to already put people who are here and then they're asking for accommodation um and they're like, we arrive on the end of may mm-hmm. and people unfortunately cannot be as welcoming as they can you, you know like people don't have the same amount of patience with it anymore i don't think i think that's becoming more and more apparent is the patience of the people who live here is becoming a bit mm-hmm. less and as much as we want to welcome people with open arms We also need to prepare them for the reality of what it is like to live here now. You've talked to MPs and councillors. What have they Mm -hmm. said to you? So the general answer to the questioning that we we bring, which is, what are you doing with the immediate fix? You know, we had our mayor say that he is working on an immediate fix. Uh, When we asked him what his immediate fix was, he couldn't answer the question. um, And his immediate fix was, people in the community can open up any any rooms that are currently available. Now, as someone who might not understand what's going on, you can say that as immediate fix, but hey, there's already people living on top of each other. Everyone's couches right now are full. People have people on mattresses in their bedrooms. Like this, this is what's, we're way beyond the point of bunking extra people into already crammed houses. Like, you know, we spoke to a guy this morning. He lives in a in a house where he is currently renting the couch. Another guy also is now renting the living room floor as of last week. And there's now 12 of them living there in one house, right? This is the community opening up not only rooms, but spaces on the floor at this point. So I think they're just really out of touch with the reality of the situation and unfortunately, it's people like us and the community who are picking up the slack. Because they had a housing action plan, right? They had a meeting on that today. Was that the plan, <laughs> open up your rooms and your floor? Today, there was actually no action plan from either of the, either of them who spoke today. You know, they were there with a very much a way to put their four points across if they are going to be put into power in the next few months. As we know, it's an election year. People have to be very aware of what they're doing and their movements. Unfortunately, when they were asked, okay, we hear your points of what the mid to long-term solution is, what is your immediate fix? They then double backed on themselves to then talk about their four long-term fixes or fixes, which essentially just went, against what changes have been made in the last few years and have said, well, if we reverse these changes, then everything's going to be fine, which we know as a community that it it will not be fine. So, yeah, we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. There's a lot of finger pointing. There's a lot of, oh, we can't help because this is a central government issue or this is a council issue. 
but no one's taking accountability. Yeah, you don't need red tape, do you? You need somebody to do something. Exactly. Actions speak louder than words at this point. And they want to keep talking about all these plans they have, but we're not seeing any action. We're putting everything, we're putting solutions to them. We have offers from various businesses that want to help and they're not doing anything with it. Yes, we are two members of the community. We aren't in a position to shell up a million dollars funding for some houses or shower blocks that we've been organizing. That's not our job. We're here, but we're making it our job because it's our community and it's people that we care about. Mm -hmm. But we aren't in this position of power to make these changes like they've been voted in to do. So if people want to help you guys out and get involved, what's the best way to go about that? Honestly, the best way to go about that is um, we set up a Facebook group. So we were inundated with messages and calls <laughs> to our personal phones and all our personal media outlets. So we've created what's called the Queenstown Housing Initiative, something that we're super proud to have created. We are on Facebook at Queenstown.housing Initiative. 2023 and we are contactable via email at qt.housing.initiative at gmail.com we're sorry for putting the word initiative in there because i can't even (laughs) spell it it's terrible but (laughs) here we are but yeah we'd love to hear stories from people your personal stories things that have happened at your work Uh, we also have surveys that we are currently looking to businesses to fill out our newest business survey and we have managed to um, come together with a lovely, lovely man, a psychologist in town who is super keen to help as well. And he's created a survey to try to understand the mental uh, mental health aspect of this too. So basically what we're asking from the community is just to show up. It doesn't matter how long you're there for, just show up, keep talking, keep spreading the word. And if you need anything, even if it's just a hug, <laughs> reach out we're here for it yeah oh well that's brilliant well again thank you so much for all you're doing and thanks for having a chat today yes thank you so much like thanks for keeping the story going we just this is what's helping keep the movement going this this conversation and we're so so grateful to have people like you that reach out and want to keep the story going definitely like you know this is not just a seasonal problem this is something that's an all-year-round situation unfortunately we are coming into the hardest season to deal with at the moment and we had our first major frost this morning it was really cold so yeah I think today there was a lot of emotion a lot a lot of emotion surrounding the fact that you know this is actually quite serious and unfortunately if we're going to wait for one person to die really is what we were coming to that for being freezing overnight living in a car that's not suitable if it's going to take that then yeah we're not going to stand for that and um yeah we are ready to continue to push forward and continue to be strong as a community as we always are and realize that the heart of queenstown is the people that live here and regardless of where you're from how long you're here everybody is welcome and everyone is welcome to join us also the outlet from your queenstown app Thanks for listening to The Outlet. For the latest local news, sport, event information, jobs and more, make sure you download the Queenstown app from the App Store or Google Play. The Outlet is produced and published by the Queenstown app and supported with funding from the New Zealand Public Interest Journalism Fund. The Outlet is available on the podcast button of your Queenstown app and wherever you get your podcasts.